Hi, this is Jason Cascarino. Welcome to the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, a production of the Remaking Middle School Initiative. You can learn about Remaking Middle School on the web at remakingmiddleschool.org. Now, here's this episode. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, where we explore the many facets that impact young adolescents in the middle school years, from the adverse to the awkward to the awesome. I'm your host, Jason Cascarino. Today we have part two of my conversation with three professionals from Education Opens Doors, a Dallas-based nonprofit that works with middle schools, providing curriculum, professional learning, and resources to help young adolescents be more informed about opportunities and choices for their future in high school, in college, and in careers. Kristen Pereira is Senior Curriculum Specialist. Kelsey Martin is Manager of Creative Projects. And Nia Cottenham is Implementation Manager. Together, they share with us how early adolescence is an ideal time to help young people explore their interests and learn practical skills and approaches to decision-making for turning those interests into their future learning, livelihood, and life. Not only is the curriculum helping them build understanding to prepare them, but it has them, you know, some students who are quiet maybe more talkative or, you know, because they're able to have a space where they can explore themselves and also notice that there is no right or wrong. This is the choice that I'm trying to create for myself. So there's no heavy pressure on is it right, is it wrong, like you would find in a core content class with the start test coming up. And so I've just seen students have really come out of their shell and they're excited, not only just for their future as far as college is concerned, but even like now I know a little bit about why I'm gonna go to the high school I wanna go to. You know, now I kind of know what what um, extracurricular activities I want to be involved in because I've really found out what I truly like. <laughs> it's not just what, you know, my mom was telling me, but I've really been able to tap in to myself and be more aware of myself and make decisions or even advocate for myself moving forward. Here in part two of our conversation, Kristen, Kelsey, Nia, and I will drill deeper into the aspects of the program and how it is implemented. We talk about the ways Education Opens Doors leverages technology to challenge students in fun and engaging ways, the ways that programming prepares students for their next steps in high school, and their opportunities for exploration and building self-awareness and social capital, the program's impact, especially in student engagement and learning, the ways the organization provides professional development and support and resources for teachers to implement the program, and the resources and supports for parents and families. We also reflect on how Education Opens Doors works to meet the unique circumstances and demands of this moment in time and what the organization is planning for its future growth and impact. Previously in part one of our conversation, we talked about the origins of Education Opens Doors. The program model focused on helping students develop practical success skills as well as find and unlock their interests and motivations as they think about and map out their futures how the curriculum fits this particular generation of young adolescents in this particular social context, and the types of social and community impact they are particularly drawn to. Part one is now available wherever you get your podcasts. And now, here is part two of my conversation with Kristen Pereira, Kelsey Martin, and Nia Cottenham. And Kelsey, are there ways that the programming you all offer is nicely suited to the digital space? 
you know, organizations have all had to be created with e-learning during the pandemic, of course. But beyond that, just that circumstance, I'm wondering from where you sit, how you see the role or opportunity of technology to effectively deliver some of this content. So as an instructional designer, I'm always thinking about the person behind the screen. There are so many new technological advancements in education in the space that we're in, even in middle school. Um, But if we're not implementing those in a thoughtful way, thinking about how they impact the mind and the heart of the student, they're they're not going to be as valuable as possible. And one of the things I love so much about our program is we really emphasize the common thread of character strengths. So who you are, what you're passionate about, what you bring to the table, your strengths and weaknesses, and then taking that information to inform your research, to inform your exploration and how you contribute to others. And so when we're building out those storyline modules and games and things like that. They're always challenging students to dig deeper, to find resources and make connections as opposed to just being, you know, a fun review game that they complete. They're always inspired because they're saying, this is who I am. I'm applying that knowledge to this game. And this is how I'm going to use these skills and this information to improve my community. There's always some sort of connection beyond just, oh, this is fun or cool to look at. We've been talking a lot about future a little bit farther away from where they are. So you're working with young people in middle school and thinking about their careers or college or, or multiple pathways to get to the career that they want. But their next step is high school. And so I'm, I'm curious to know how you talk with them and get them engaged uh, about their next step in high school and what that means for their future future pathway. We want kids to feel like they can build a high school experience that's meaningful to them. And so we don't want you to end up in a class that you just put on your schedule because your best friend is in it. We want you to think really critically about what you're interested in and how that's going to make high school more relevant and meaningful to you. So students uh, in one of our lessons spend a lot of time researching the clubs and programs and opportunities that are available to them in their community. We talk a lot about volunteer opportunities and how those can hone and refine your interests and skills. We talk a lot about things like the benefits to being on a team. We want them to feel okay if you try something and you don't love it. You take photography and it is not your jam. That's okay, right? You learned a lot from that experience. And we want kids to feel safe in making those choices. And that, you know, what what did you like from that? What did you not like from that? Okay, well, let's pivot. Let's try something new. And that is going to inform much farther in the future. You know, not liking photography is not a passive experience. You did learn something from that. And you can take that and do something with that as we keep going. And circling back to your tech question, too, in partnership with what Kristen has shared, because students so often are in that one-to-one environment where they have their own device, you know, that's not the case across the board, but it is very common, they're able to actually implement their own instructions. So you can release them to do research on the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. And they're not fully relying on the teacher to give them the information. Our teachers are able to facilitate a more meaningful experience where the students are the ones going out and hunting down valuable information on their own devices. We also have um, various assignments where they create their own presentations and practice their public speaking and share about their passions and interests with their classmates. And so it's really exciting to see that the technology is not just something they use to type out a paper. They're researching, creating something brand new and sharing it with their classmates and their classmates can learn from them. I feel like our space still tends to gravitate 
maybe a bit too much on standardized test scores, and, and you certainly report out on those. But for the middle grades, one of the big challenges that we face is engagement. And, and you referenced that uh, a few times here. You know, there are multiple studies that have shown a drop in academic engagement and engagement with school generally in the middle grades. Talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing with engagement, uh, you know, the, the effects on students. We've seen a big increase in just conversation. Whether that's an 8 a.m. class or a class right after lunch, I mean, the, the, the content and the intentionality behind what we're putting in the content opens the doors up for students to not only reflect, but also to be able to share out what they're thinking, not only with their peers, but also with their teachers. And so I've heard from teachers that they were just excited on how not only is the curriculum helping them build understanding to prepare them, but it has them, you know, some students who are quiet, maybe more talkative or, you know, because they're able to have a space where they can explore themselves and also notice that there is no right or wrong. This is the choice that I'm trying to create for myself. So there's no heavy pressure on is it right? Is it wrong? Like you would find in a core content class with the star test coming up. And so I've just seen students have really come out of their shell and they're excited, not only just for their future as far as college is concerned, but even like now I know a little bit about why I'm going to go to the high school I want to go to. You know, now I kind of know what what um, extracurricular activities I want to be involved in because I've really found out what I truly like. <laughs> it's not just what, you know, my mom was telling me, but I've really been able to tap in to myself and be more aware of myself and make decisions or even advocate for myself moving forward. Most of the folks who listen in on this podcast, a lot of middle grades teachers and administrators, but also out of school time professionals and researchers. So I, I suspect that they will be very interested in your professional learning, you know, how these offerings are set up and, and how they work, the areas you focus on, how you partner with schools and so forth. So can you just talk a little bit about that work and, and, and what that partnership looks like if I'm if I'm a teacher uh, or an administrator? What, what am I getting? What am I experiencing? What am I expecting from you all? So as an implementation manager, I'm a part of the direct service. So I'm boots on the ground when it comes to education open doors being in a classroom or in a school system. And so the professional learning we offer our partners is to set them up to engage and empower the teachers to take pre-made college and career curriculum and make it their own. So everything that comes with the curriculum, you have a support, which is, you know, an implementation manager. You have lesson guides, lesson plans, lesson activities, lesson assessments. It's all packaged for you. But as an implementation manager, we want to really positively shape the ideas about our program through quality engagement that leave, you know, teachers informed, determined, empowered, appreciated and supported. So we're not coming in and saying, hey, you're going to do exactly what this curriculum says, but this is a blueprint and a foundation that a teacher, whether they're a first-year teacher or a 10-year teacher, can take and make it their own because they know their students. We don't. And every engagement that we have with teachers is a learning experience because we're either giving feedback from a classroom observation, uh, sending a survey to receive feedback with teachers on their experience with our program, or even talking to students about their takeaways from a lesson. And so the areas that we really focus on when it comes to, you know, our program is just implementation, engagement, and completion. And so any support, whether that's a training at the beginning of the year, monthly check-ins with teachers, we're here to support them implementing the curriculum for their students. 
and are these classroom teachers who are who are teaching the curriculum or do you work in, in advisory or do counselors get involved? Really all of the above. We've been in advisory classes, AVID classes. We've had counselors kind of take the lead on it. Most of the time it's, it's teachers specifically, but depending upon the campus, it may be a counselor. And so um, the, the campus really decides where they see our program. Parent and family engagement, I feel, is something a lot of education programs and schools as well try to do. They find it hard to do well, hard to do effectively. You all have developed a platform called Parent University. Uh, tell us about how you approach the development of that, you know, given some of the the common obstacles to engaging parents and families who, you know, especially in underserved communities, as you mentioned, Kelsey, Maybe working multiple jobs, you have to take care of many family members, young and old, maybe newer to this country, learning the language, learning how we do the schooling in this country. You know, how do you think about building out a tool for parents and families and tell us what, what that tool does? It's been a super close thing to me just to make sure that, you know, as our mission states, we're activating all students to determine and pursue an informed future. And our heart is to activate parents as well. And that's parents and caregivers, um, whoever is loving and leading our students. And so we're developing content now. We have five online modules that teachers and can implement in an online session with parents, but also that parents can move through asynchronously on their own. They can do it on their smartphone, on a laptop, on a PC, anywhere, anytime. It's narrated for them and it covers topics like social emotional learning, supporting strong study habits in your home, building a high school plan, exploring post-secondary education and the complexities of that. And so just giving them just a little bit more information and vital times that they need it. We conducted a pilot last year around March and April. Then a lot of that was, you know, where do I even look for information? If my student wants to be involved in these programs or wants to attend college, how do I find out, you know, where to get financial aid for that? And so what we did is we tried to consolidate all of the answers to those questions into our five modules with some more fun content um, and answer those questions directly. One of the primary hurdles for that pilot that we did was finding a time where parents could meet and sit down. And that's what led us to make the modules asynchronous and add that narration so that it would still feel personal and they could still be walked through it. Um, but they could do it at any time from anywhere and not feel like, oh man, I missed that 6 p.m. session. I want them to know that at any time they can log in and move through that material with their student. Let's talk a little bit about how all this fits in our, in our world today. You know, some have said that this is one of the most challenging times to work in education, certainly in recent memory. How is Education Opens Doors responding to the challenges of this moment in time? You know, how do you talk about them? Are you doing anything differently? Are there aspects of Education Opens Doors that are uniquely suited to today? Mm -hmm. We're super big on relationship and ongoing conversation. Nia mentioned earlier how there's more conversations taking place between students in the classroom, but we have ongoing conversations with our educators as well. What's working, what's not working. We're not interested in implementing things that are not practically working in the classroom. And understandably, most districts work on an evaluation system where people come into the classroom, watch you teach and kind of critique that. And, and I understand that, but what our implementation 
implementation managers do is they come in and they build that relationship where teachers feel seen, empowered, and elevated in their role, um, not critiqued. We're there to celebrate what's right, what's working, and the fact that that teacher showed up that day to work with their students. It's a huge blessing. And so those relationships just over time are able to flourish where there's a mutual respect um, and it feels safe for the educators. We are constantly in a cycle of learning, but we don't ever want to be static. We should always have something that we can do better. And I think that one of the things that we've really learned in the last little year is to really build in more supports for our teachers so that they can differentiate. Because what we've learned is that kids are running the gamut of skills, depending on how much they've been in school, were they virtual, have they moved, you know, all of those things that we know affect students. And as Nia said earlier, we know that there is nobody that loves those kids and knows those kids more than their teacher does. So if we can provide a way for them to chunk the content in a way that's going to be more helpful to a student who is having a tough time at home, or we can build in extra ELL supports that can be used for a student who just needs a little bit more vocabulary support. We want to do that. And so that has been a project that we've been working on, and we're going to continue to work on that because we know that that scaffolding is going to be so important as we move forward. As we know, like the pandemic has really transformed what it means to learn and educate in a technological era. We're no longer in the industrial age. And so EOD, we started off with books, but as soon as the rest of the world went digital, so did we. And then when the rest of the world started noticing that there was a decline in social interaction and mental health for our students, our content evolved and we created a solution to support students in those areas while still preparing them to be informed about their future pathways. And you know, you're in the schools a lot. We're recording this in early January. Um, and I assume you probably, in Dallas, wrapped the first semester, maybe before the holidays, before the break. Um, what was the experience like this, uh, this particular year? So in the fall, um, working with DISD, we have a fully digital program. <laughs> and so students not having that a little guidebook or a student guidebook to actually write was a really big transition. Um, we still just provide additional materials that can also be downloaded outside of just being fully digital. With the pandemic, specifically in DISD, there were online schools that opened up. And so how does that look whenever you are just teaching digitally and maybe you only see your students two days a week? Like, how do we still um, build off on that relationship that's a little weird because you don't really get to, you know, just see them, hear them, you know, as as you're teaching um, and just really providing content that can still be utilized in person or digitally um, having curriculum set up to where students can still be self-sufficient without their teacher hovering over them because they're allowed to have that student choice and student voice. That's And so giving teachers the option to be creative with what they have and knowing that there is curriculum that can back up whichever way they want to go with, with their students. And I would say to our curriculum, it has a rhythm of sorts. You know, we pull students in, whole group, we release them out. Um, it's just, it's kind of a back and forth. There, There's never a prolonged period of time where they're only doing one. Um, and wh what we found with that is it helps students stay plugged in and engaged for longer periods of time, again, because they're not just sitting and getting information. And so that, that, 
ties into the whole pandemic idea. You know, we might have students who are used to being more flexible, doing their own thing. And so we've really had to adjust with the times and make sure that, you know, they're feeling like they still have some autonomy, but we can have a facilitated conversation in the classroom when they're working whole group. Kristen, you mentioned before some of the newer things that you all are leaning into. What's on the horizon for the organization? I'm really excited to look into creative ways to provide instruction outside of just the the model that we have right now. We're also talking about expanding our reach to rural communities, which is something that I'm really excited to start talking about. The needs of rural communities is different than who we are talking to at this exact moment, right? Internet, broadband is a huge problem in a lot of rural communities, but students still need to be informed. There are still so many opportunities for them and there are going to be some challenges as we try to approach that, but I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a fun puzzle to try to put together. Um, we want all kids to be able to be informed regardless of where they are geographically. Finally, for all three of you, what's one thing you'd like our listeners to take away from this conversation based on your work in middle schools, engaging, opening doors for students uh, and parents and families, things you'd like educators both in school and in after school and in summer programs to know and be able to do? The importance of practical tools and mindset you know, day-to-day diligence and discipline is still going to get you to the top and just making sure that students know that. We live in a world that is increasingly focused on quick consumption, you know, having things fast and less on the artful formation of ideas and unique thinking. And I just want for students and teachers to know that that's okay. It's okay to get curious. It's okay to ask questions. And how do we have that growth mindset and think about things like like failure, you know, in, in a positive way. You know, what do I do when I fail? Where do I go from here? Um, again, at Education Open Stores, we really want to equip students with the tools they need to make informed decisions. But when a student knows who they are, they're informed about their options, not only are they able to empower themselves, but they're able to empower and protect others. Just support your students, and they need their family caregivers to be able to support this new awareness that, they're, that they are now um empowered to find out. And so if you have a middle schooler, if you know a middle schooler, if you've seen a middle schooler. I would just say to really respect the power of information. And information can be, again, technical and hard skills. It can be soft skills. And it can be what you've learned about yourself. And we want students to give weight to all of those things. And sometimes kids can ask questions that are hard and they're challenging. And that is where they shine. And so We need to let them feel empowered to ask those questions. We need to give them the tools to engage in the investigation of the answers of those questions. And that will serve them no matter what they choose, right? No matter where they're headed after this. Kristen, Kelsey, Nia, I'm happy to get to know you. And Education Opens Doors, I really appreciate your focus on the middle grades. And I'm glad that we had this opportunity to to talk about your work. So thanks for the conversation and, and best of luck to you. Thank you for having us. That was Kristen Pereira, Kelsey Martin, and Nia Cottenham from Education Opens Doors, which you can learn more about online at educationopensdoors.org or on Facebook and Instagram at Education Opens Doors or on Twitter at opening underscore the door. Remember, you can look out for part one of my conversation with Kristen, Kelsey, and Nia, which is out now on Lessons in Adolescence podcast, where we feature conversations with researchers, practitioners, program developers, and advocates for young adolescents in the middle school years. 
Recently, I interviewed Colleen Cicchetti and Karen Curry from the Center for Childhood Resilience at Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago. Colleen is the founder and long-term executive director of the nearly 20-year-old center focused on providing access to high-quality mental health services for children and adolescents. Karen is a licensed clinical social worker and mental health consultant for CCR. CCR provides training, consultation, and expertise for schools and school systems, as well as out-of-school community and youth-serving organizations, to build the capacity of adult educators and caregivers around trauma-informed and healing-centered systems and practices, a capacity that ultimately underpins effective teaching and learning and positive youth development. I think we've come to understand that this trauma that's out there in our communities is impacting all of these very critical things that we all need to be aware of for learning. And I think what we found is that there's a, a missing element, which is understanding what the impact of chronic exposure to trauma really looks like and how many places it manifests itself. And so we've really been able to shift and think about trauma as something that's endemic, something that's impacting many, many people. It's not impacting all of us in the same ways, but if we understand that all of us have some stressful events, others are having toxic levels of stress and others are having truly traumatic experiences. And if we start to think about how that manifests itself and how we modify our practices in how we welcome students, how we create our classrooms and how we teach them, I think that's where we've started to really see a shift. You can listen to both parts of my conversation with Colleen and Karen wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for joining the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, a production of Remaking Middle School, an initiative that seeks to transform the learning and development experience for young adolescents in the middle school years. Remaking Middle School brings together good educational practice in school and out of school with the latest developmental science. You can learn about Remaking Middle School or find more resources about the topics of this podcast on the web at remakingmiddleschool.org or learn more about the founding partner organizations, the University of Virginia's Youth Next Center on the web at education.virginia.edu slash youth-next, N-E-X, or on Twitter at youth underscore next, and the Association for Middle-Level Education on the web at amle.org or on Twitter at amle. The Lessons in Adolescence podcast is produced by Abby Gillespie and me, Jason Cascarino, editing by Paige Waterhouse. You can listen to or download each episode at the Remaking Middle School website, on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening.